It is a blessing to be here. Uh, when somebody asks you to come and preach for them one time, that is a blessing. They ask you to come back. For me, that's a miracle. But somebody asks you for 21 times. I appreciate it. Either y'all can't get nobody else on this night or you like me one or the other. But Brother Fred invited me many years ago. Brenda, good to see you back there. And uh, I love them. Thank God for them. And I love this Mission Point meeting. And I like Brother Grubbs. I like him. I think he's a good fella, don't you? And I got there just in time tonight. Him and his wife had been fussing all day. But I was able to guide him, and she whooped him three times. But other than that, everything's fine. And, but the Lord is good. And it's always good to be with the Wisnets. I've been listening to them sing ever since I was a little boy about that. When, when Pastor uh, said that I'd been coming 21 years, Jeff looked at me and went, you're getting old. But y'all were here singing the first time I came. So y'all getting old too. I tell people all across America, Susan Winston's my mother, and I praise the Lord for that. Oh, man, we've had a wonderful time through the years, and I cherish my friends. I need more of them, and I'm thankful to be a Christian, and I'm glad to be on the Lord's side tonight. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, hey, you look better with your mask on. Amen. Whoever thought you'd go to the bank with a mask on? I took my check down there the other day I had on my mask. She held her mask. I don't know if I was holding her up. She was holding me up. I didn't know. I was complaining about my mask going to the airport. and I was just complaining about it. And my wife, Julie, she said, leave it on. It improves your looks by 50%. And I said, get behind me, Satan. No, it wasn't funny. I'm telling you. But I'm glad that in spite of everything, we're here tonight, and God is here tonight. God has a message for you. God has a message for me. And I'm glad that God is still on the throne. Mark's Gospel tonight, chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed. And say this last line out loud with me, And she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. We'll leave off the narrative in verse 24. We'll pick it back up again in verse number 35. But something happens between the two readings. While Jesus with Jairus is on his way to that house to heal that little girl, that's when that woman with that issue of blood presses through that crowd and touches Jesus and Jesus touches her. There are two things about that tonight that really bless me. Number one, you can't get lost in a crowd. It doesn't matter how many people are trying to get to Jesus. You can't get lost in a crowd. He's this kind of Savior. He can save 10,000 at one time, and yet save everybody one at a time. He is a personal Savior. There's something else about this passage I love. There is no borders, there is no limits, there is no boundaries to what God can do. Every time I read this, I'm reminded of the little song, It Is No Secret, What God Can Do. I'm glad tonight He's able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. And so we pick the reading back up again now in verse number 35. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, and why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, say this little phrase out loud with me, Be not afraid, only believe. Say that with me again. 
Be not afraid, only believe. And for the sake of time, look what happens when Jesus comes into that house in verse number 42. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. That little phrase, astonished, with a great astonishment means they looked at each other and said, Wow! And aren't you glad that's the kind of God we serve tonight that can do for you and I what we could never do for ourselves? I believe we have before us tonight in this text one of the most beautiful, vivid pictures of intercessory prayer that you'll find in all of the Bible. I thank God tonight for the doctrine of intercessory prayer. The prayer that we pray on behalf of others. And I really believe this tonight. The greatest thing that you could do for someone is pray for them. I believe tonight the greatest thing that somebody could do for you is to pray for you. Let me say it like this tonight. If there's somebody in your life that loves you enough to pray for you, then you are a blessed individual. Man, can I say that again? If there's somebody in your world that loves you enough to pray for you, then you are a blessed individual. In fact, most of us in this room tonight are here because somebody got a hold of God and God got a hold of us. And aren't you glad the God we serve tonight is a God we can get a hold of and He can get a hold of somebody else because we went and got a hold of Him. Aren't you glad the God we serve tonight is the alive God? He is the able God. He is the awesome God. But I'm glad He is the available and the accessible God. I'm glad he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. I'm glad we can get a hold of God and God can get a hold of somebody else. I believe tonight that nations have been changed because somebody got a hold of God. Tonight I believe that broken families were mended because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that wayward sons and daughters found their way back to God and home because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that teenage boys and girls have been rescued because somebody got a hold of God. I believe tonight that Abraham got a hold of God for his nephew Lot. I believe tonight that Moses got a hold of God for the nation of Israel. I believe tonight that Paul and Silas and those apostles got a hold of God for the early church. I know this one day, Jesus got a hold of God for all of us. Because there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And here in our text tonight is a daddy. And he's got a little girl. And she has a need bigger than daddy. She has a need that's bigger than daddy's supply. So daddy realizes he can't do it on his own. So he goes and gets Jesus. And Jesus comes to the house and does for the daddy what the daddy could not do. And the Lord be on our helper, I want to preach from this text tonight on somebody Go get God. Somebody go get God. I believe tonight our nation needs God like it's never needed God before. I believe tonight our families need God like they've never needed them before. I believe tonight that our churches in the midst of this pandemic need God like we've never needed Him before. And I've come to tell the church tonight, yes, he is able. 
Yes, he is alive. And yes, he is awesome. And yes, he is accessible. We can get a hold of God tonight and see what God is able to do. Notice in this text tonight three things about this intercessory prayer. Number one, in the scripture, I want you to see the mandate that drove this man to Jesus. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus. You say, now brother Joe, why would you use such a strong word, mandate? Well, let me say it like this. What would cause this grown man to go all the way across town and fall down at the feet of Jesus and beg him like a little child to come to his house and touch that little girl. What would cause him to do all of that? Well, I've already told you in the introduction. He is a daddy with a daughter. He is a daddy with a daughter. And if you didn't understand that, then you are not a daddy with a daughter. Because a daddy with a daughter is a manipulated human being. A daddy with a daughter is a man that's locked up in prison for the rest of his life. Because if that little daughter ever looks up at him with that manipulating look she got from her mother and quivers the chin just right and says, Oh, daddy, oh, I want to tell you a daddy with a daughter will do things he said he would never do. He will go places he said he would never go. He will buy things he said he would never buy. All because the daughter has daddy dangling by his pocketbook from her pinky. You say, Brother Joe, how do you know? I am a daddy with a daughter. I am a grandpa with four granddaughters. My whole world is run by women. Someone said women in politics. I said, that's nothing new. Julie's been the speaker of our house ever since we've been married. And one day I'm going to get brave enough to stand up to her. Oh, that daddy with a daughter. I made, bra- I made my brags all over America how I hated cats. And I, the best cat was a dead cat. And there would never be any cats at my house. Oh, but one day the daughter looked up at me with those watery eyes and said, Daddy, can we get a cat? Well, guess who got a cat? But I put my foot down. I said, now, honey, that thing's an animal. And it's going to stay outside where God made it stay. It's not coming into my house. Oh, one night the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled. The wind blew and the rain descended. She said, oh, daddy, flee, flee, he is out in the rain. Can she come inside? Guess who came inside? Guess who jumped up to bed with me at four o'clock in the morning? That stupid cat. I put my foot down. I said, now listen, it's an animal. And I need to tell you up front, if it gets sick, it's dead. If it gets a bad cold, it's dead. I'm not going to spend my hard-earned money at a vet over a cat. If it gets sick, she's dead. Early one Monday morning before I went to the airport, I had to do some visiting. And I did not know that during the night, that cat had crawled up in the motor of my car. And so when I started my car, fur goes everywhere. I go and lift up the hood and there it lays across the motor of my car. You say, Brother Joe, what did you do? I called 911. I wrapped that thing up in a blanket. I turned on my emergency flashers. I run over blind people, crippled people, handicapped people, old people. Man, I slid into the van on two wheels. 
I jumped out and laid that cat, well, what was left of it, up there on the counter, threw out my credit cards and said, if that thing's got nine lives, I want to buy three of them before I get out of here tonight. I could have done like that woman from Alabama. She was backing out to the driveway, and I'm sorry, from Mississippi, and uh, backed over her cat and cut its tail off. And she took the cat and the tail and put it in the box and started down the road. And her husband said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to Walmart. He said, why are you going to Walmart? She said, they've said on TV today, they are America's number one retailer. Now you'll get that after a while. But oh, I did all of that. I did all of that. Because that little girl has crawled up into my heart. Boy, the daddy with a daughter. In this text tonight, you have this daddy and his little girl. They're not having a birthday party. They're not having a graduation party. They're not having a sweet 16 party. According to the King James text tonight, they're having a death watch. Because the Bible said that this little girl lieth at the point of death. That means her next breath may be her last. That means the next second that ticks off of the clock could be her last. That means the next time her little heart pulsates in her body, it could be her last. She is at the point of death. And here stands the daddy. Here stands Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. You realize who this man is tonight? He is not a drunkard. He is not a murderer. He is not a thief. He is not a profaner. He is not a cusser. He is not an adulterer. He is Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. That little phrase tells me three things tonight. Number one, he is a man of power and authority. He is the ruler of the synagogue. In other words, he is a man that commands other men what to do. And they have to obey his command. He has enough authority in his position to tell soldiers guarding the synagogue what to do, and they have to do it. But yet in all of his power, in all of his position, in all of his authority, he doesn't have enough power or authority to command the disease to leave the body of that little girl. He has power to rule men but he has not enough power to rule the health and the well-being of that little girl. For the first time in his life, he realized he was up against something bigger than him, more mighty than him. As we say, he is in over his head. He does not have enough ability to change the circumstance. And may I remind all of us tonight in the real world, there will be days, there will be moments, there will be circumstances that will be in over our head. It will be bigger than us. It will be stronger than us. It will be mightier than us. We do not have the power or the authority to control it, stop it, and change it. But aren't you glad tonight when it's bigger than you? It's not bigger than God. Aren't you glad tonight when it's over your head, it's under His feet? Aren't you glad tonight to know that when our power runs out and our energy runs out and our strength one runs out, there is one standing somewhere in the shadows that says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And when it's too big for us, it's never too big for God. Jarius, the ruler of the synagogue. That verse tells me something else. He is a moral man. He is a religious man. He is a good man. The Bible says he's the ruler not of a beer joint, not of a nightclub, not of some place of sin and passion. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's religious. He's moral. He is a devout follower of Judaism. He lives above reproach. He is a separated, dedicated, moral, religious man. But yet, you know what happens to him in this text? 
He is living proof to all of us that hurtful things, unexplainable things, all bad things happen to good people. If I may run one rabbit, I'll feel good about it. I want to tell you this prosperity gospel that's permeated the TV and the radio and the pulpits across this nation that if you get saved and love God and go to church and pay your tithes, you'll never get sick. You'll never have any problems. You'll always be healthy and wealthy. I'll say something, brother. Some lying preacher may have said that, but God never said that in the Word. God never said that in the Word. Let me tell you what God does say in the Word. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall for suffer persecution. God says this in the Word. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. I want to tell you bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good moral people. Our religion tonight, our commitment to Christ tonight, our salvation tonight does not isolate nor insulate nor exempt us from the storms and the troubles and the heartaches of life. And you say, well, preacher, if knowing Christ doesn't exempt me from the trouble, what good does it know to know Christ? I'll tell you why. Because you've got a hiding place and you've got a refuge and you've got a place to run and rest and trust until the storm passes by. His authority's not enough. His position's not enough. His morals is not enough. His religion is not enough. This tells me something else according to the text. He has a house. He's got some land. He has a wife and a daughter in that house on that land. That tells me something else. He's got money. He is a man of means. How many would agree tonight it takes money to have some land. It takes money to have some house on that land. And if you put a wife and a daughter in that house on that piece of land somebody better have a job let me say to you young Casanovas tonight the greatest way to get your girlfriend's mother and father to like you have a job I feel like I need to say that again the greatest way to get your girlfriend's mother and father to like you is have a job. Have two or three jobs. And keep those jobs. Can I get a witness at Mission Point Jubilee tonight? Notice this picture in the text. Here's a man with enough money to buy land. Enough money to build a home. Enough money to have a wife and a daughter. But yet he does not have enough wealth. He does not have enough money to buy the health and the healing of that little girl. He cannot buy her from the point of death. He cannot buy her one second on the clock. He cannot buy the health, the miracle, the healing that she needs. I don't know about you tonight, but this to me is a picture of a man that's in over his head. It's out of his hand. It's beyond his pocket. This is a picture to me tonight of total desperation and utter despair. Here's a man tonight that's between a rock and a hard place. His money's not enough. His possessions is not enough. His position and authority, his goodness, his religion, his morals is not enough. He cannot buy what she needs. He cannot command what she needs. He cannot earn nor merit what she needs. He's in a fix. He's in a hard place. He's in over his head. It's out of his hand and it's beyond his pocketbook. And as Paul Harvey said, page two, here's the rest of the story. He looks down at that little girl and says, baby, doll, baby, I'm sorry. Daddy's money's not enough. Daddy's power's not enough. Daddy's goodness is not enough. But I've heard about another daddy. And I've heard about another father. 
who's closer to God than I am, who's got more wealth than I have, who's got more authority and power than I have. Honey, I'm going to go get somebody who's got more power than your daddy and more holiness than your daddy and more possessions and wealth than your daddy. And he put her in the hands of the Lord and he went and got Jesus. Aren't you glad tonight when we're in over our head and it's bigger than us? and more powerful than us and we can't merit we can't earn we can't buy we can't command what we need I'm glad there is another father there is another high priest there is another daddy who's got the power and the wealth and the authority why don't tonight we swallow our pride and realize we can't and admit that God can and go get him and let's see what God is able to do you know what I love about Jarius? His desperation drove him to Jesus. Oh, let that one line sink in tonight. His desperation drove him to Jesus. You say, well, Brother Joe, why does that impress you? I'll tell you why. After 37 years of pastoring the same Baptist church, I've seen desperation do some things to people that would blow your mind. I've seen people in desperate places go to the wrong place, turn to the wrong thing, trust in the wrong power. Oh, but desperation didn't drive him away from God. It drove him to God. Desperation didn't make him hard. It made him humble. It made him soft. Desperation didn't push him away from the feet of Jesus. It drove him to the feet of Jesus. And I don't know what you're going through tonight. And I don't know what your family's going through tonight. But won't you allow the sovereign God of heaven to use it as a vehicle to put you up the feet of Jesus and take you to Jesus and fall down before Jesus. Because I want to tell you tonight, the preacher is limited and your family's limited. And whether you admit it or not, you are limited. But our heavenly Father has no boundaries and borders and limitations. I'm glad he can do what we could never do for ourselves. The mandate that drove this man to Jesus. Secondly in the text, I want you to see the mission that directed this man to Jesus. He is a man on a mission. Oh, give me your mind just a moment. I see Jerry says he looks down at that little girl. Her eyes are set on her head. The death sweat's broken upon her brow. He knows that in a moment she'll slip out into eternity. And his money's not enough. His authority's not enough. His position in society and religion is not enough. So he's got two choices to make. He can stand there and do nothing and accept the status quo. Or he can swallow his pride and admit he's whooped and go and get Jesus. You realize tonight how much courage and faith it took for Jairus to look at his daughter and at his wife and say, I'm not enough. Do you realize how much courage and faith it took for Jairus to kiss that little girl and literally turn his back on the situation and walk in the opposite direction to go after Jesus? If you don't understand how hard that was, you're not a real man. Because for a real man, I mean a real redneck man, to look at his wife and his daughter and say, I can't, I'm not enough, that is an humiliating thing. Because the only reason why daddies exist is to fix the mama and the daughter's problems and pay their bills. It's hard to admit it. Okay, you don't believe me? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Your wife's ordered all this stuff from Amazon. She forgot to read the fine print. What does that say? It comes in 10 trillion zillion infinity pieces. So you put the kids to bed. And you say, okay, 
Let's put it together. Boy, you dump all of the contents out on the floor and you spread it out. She says, would you like for me to read the instructions? And if you are a real man, you will refuse that. You will say something like this. No, you let me get my pliers or my roll of duct tape and Big Daddy will put her together. I'm telling you tonight, you give a country boy a pair of pliers and a roll of duct tape, he'll build the Twin Towers back. Can I get a witness? She wants to read the instructions. You don't allow that. You say, honey, turn that box where I can see it. And let me see what that picture looks like. And my pliers and my tape will put it together. It's 9.30. It's not together. It's 10.30. And it's not together. By 12.30, y'all are no longer together. By 2 o'clock in the morning, Merry Christmas. Yeah, forget it. And finally about 4 o'clock, you give in and say, Okay, honey, somebody didn't put the instructions and all this right, so I give up. Go ahead and read them, hon. And she reads them, and in about 5 minutes, it's all put together. And she never lets you forget that one time, oh Lord, I'm feeling resistance on that point. And she never lets you forget, whoop, the one time, oh boy, I'm already in it, might as well finish it. The one time she was right. Boy, there's a fellow back there wanting to shout so bad. And every time he starts, his wife looks at him and he puts that hand back down. Man, it's hard for us guys. By the way, it's hard for all of us human beings to admit my faith is not enough. My power is not enough. My goodness is not enough. It's hard for all of us to admit this is too big for me. This is too strong for me. I better go get somebody who can do what I cannot do. Jerry has said it's out of my hand. It's beyond my pocket. It's over my head. But I'm a man on a mission. I'm going to get somebody who can do what I cannot do. Boy, I see Jerry as he walks down that dusty cobblestone sidewalk and I see somebody say, Jerry, where are you going? And I hear him say, I'm going for deity. I'm going for sovereignty. I'm going for omnipotence. I'm going for all power given unto him and heaven and in earth. I can hear somebody say, Jarius, are you going for the doctor? No, I'm going for the great physician. Jarius, are you going for the lawyer? No, I'm going for the lawgiver. Jarius, are you going for the prophet? No, I'm going for the message of the prophet. Jarius, are you going for the high, for the high priest? No, I'm going for the high, 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 high priest. Jarius, are you going for the shepherd. I guess so. The good shepherd. The chief shepherd. The great shepherd. I'm going for Jesus. I'm going for deity. I'm going for sovereignty. Jarius. 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 How far have you got to go? And I hear him say for her. It's never too far. But Jarius, how long is it going to take you? I hear him say for her, it's never too much. It's never too long. But Jarius, what all have you got to go through until you get there? And I hear him say for her, nothing's too hard. Nothing's too far. Nothing's too long to see God come to my family and move in our life and do for my baby what I cannot do. It's not too far and it's not too hard and it's not too long. May I say to the church tonight on the side of this hilltop to see God send revival and save America and revive our churches and reach the next generation. It's not too far. It's not too long. It's not too hard. Let's just go see tonight what God is able to do. You know what I love about Jairus? You don't know about Jairus. He knew who to go to. And he knew how to talk to him when he got there. Because our text says of the King James tonight, and when he came to where Jesus was, he fell at his feet. He didn't get up in his face. Martha's already tried that. But he fell at his feet. You say, Brother Joe, what's the difference between getting in God's face and falling at his feet whether he goes home with you or not? He 
came out there to Bethany, Martha got in his face and accused him. But Mary came out there and got at his feet and got a weeping. And it wasn't long that God had met her need. I feel like I need to tell somebody tonight if you'll get out of God's face and quit blaming God and accusing God and get out of God's face and fall at his feet and worship him and praise him and adore him. It makes the difference. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Listen to these strong words in our text. And he sought him greatly. And that little word besought is a word that means to employ, to beg, to beseech, to pull on one's heartstrings. He fell at his feet and begged and employed and beseeched. And he's reaching up and he's pulling on the heartstrings of heaven. He's pulling on the heartstrings of deity. Here's a man whose money and wealth and fame and power and position and even religion is not enough. So he's at the feet of Jesus begging, imploring, pleading, pulling on his heartstrings. When I read this prayer of Jairus, I ain't going to lie to you. I like to knock the back end of my choir robe out. I come that close having an all-denominational spell. Say amen right there. Jairus reached up and got a hold of the heart of Jesus. Whew! He reached up and got a hold of the heartbeat of heaven and said if you will come. Watch this now. If you will come and lay your hands on her. He didn't come and say look at her. He didn't come and say speak to her. He said if you'll come and lay your hands on her. Oh tonight church there was something about the hands of Jesus that had birthed faith in Jairus' heart. What in the world about the hands of Jesus could have ignited such faith? Well, he's the ruler of the synagogue. Therefore, he has heard the Old Testament read in his hearing hundreds of times. And he had heard read in his presence about the mighty hand of God about the hand that scooped up the oceans and heaped up the mountains and traced down the rivers, the hand that separated the waters of the Red Sea, the hand that shielded Moses in the cliff to the rock, the hand that shielded the Hebrew boys from the fiery furnace, and the hands that locked the jaws of the lion for Daniel, the guiding hand, the providing hand, the comforting hand. And for the last three and a half years, he has watched in Jerusalem as Jesus has taken those hands and touched a blind man and made him see, and a deaf man and made him heal and a lame man and made him walk with those hands. He had watched Jesus feed the hungry, one of the thirsty, save the lost, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, befriend the lonely. There was powerful hands, unseen hands. There was something about the hands of Jesus, the powerful hands, the omnipotent hands, the loving hands, the providing hands. You know what he said, Lord? It's in your hand. It's in your hand. God, it's in your hand. And literally what you have in this text tonight is a transfer. You say, what? A transfer. For 12 years, she's been in daddy's hands. For 12 years, Jarius has led her with his hand. For 12 years he has comforted and provided for her with his hands. But tonight, Jarius realized that his hands are not big enough and his hands are not powerful enough. So literally, here's what you have in this text. He takes that little girl he's had in his hands 12 years 
and he takes her out of his hands and he puts her in the Savior's hands. He takes her out of his hands and he puts her in the Savior's hands. And tonight, the greatest day in your life, and tonight, the greatest day in the life of somebody you're praying for is when you take them out of your hands and you put them in the Savior's hands. Boy, don't you like Brother Squire's song, It's Good to Know. It's in the Savior's hand. I've come to tell the church tonight when our hands are not big enough, our hands are not omnipotent enough, and our hands are not powerful enough. Amen. There is an unseen hand. There's an unlimited hand. There's a hand that reaches further down than we could reach up. Brother, he got the whole world in his hand. Aren't you glad tonight? It's not in my hands. It's not in your hands. It's not in Biden's hands. And thank God it ain't in Trump's hands. It ain't in Nancy Charles, Osama, Obama, or your mama. It's not in their hands. But it's in the Savior's hands. It's in the Savior's hands. Isn't it good to know? Man, I wish I could rap. I'd rap that. He got the whole world in his hand. I'm from Atlanta, but I just ain't got it. He put it in the Savior's hand. Remember I said that word beseech means to pull on one's heartstrings. And evidently Jairus did a good job. Because verse number 24 said, And Jesus went with him. And Jesus went with him. Two things tonight. He went and got what he went for. And he went and got what he asked for. Lord, can I say that again? He went and got what he went for. And he went and he got what he asked for. There's somebody in this room tonight, you can get what you're going for, and you can get what you ask for, but the good news tonight, you can get more than you want, you can get more than you ask for, you can get more than you need, because exceeding, abundant, above all, that's what God is able to do tonight. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I really am, but I'm having a good time on my way to hurry. Jairus and Jesus they're hooked up now they're headed to Jairus' house you know I, I, I don't believe he said wow man got Jesus bro ain't it awesome no I believe he's pumped I believe he's elated I believe he's plum excited I believe he's uncontainable I got Jesus man I got Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Woo! Hold on, baby. Daddy and Jesus is a coming. Hold on, hon. Daddy and Jesus is a coming. Hold on, baby girl. Daddy went and got what he went for. And I've got more than I asked for. Hold on, baby. Me and Jesus is on the way. And man, here they go. But here's a problem. Here comes the throng. Here comes all of these people surrounding Jesus and Jairus. And now their progress is halted. And now they're just caught out in the, in the middle of all these people. And I want to tell you, Pastor, Jairus is a better man than me. You say, why? Because I'd have got me a stick and I'd have started busting some heads. Say, get out of my way. Get out of my way. I got to him first. My problem's bigger than yours. My need's more important than yours. But listen to this statement. By this time, Jairus has so much faith, he can wait. By this time, Jairus has so much faith, he can put it in neutral. By this time, Jairus can stop and wait on the Lord and watch him work miracles for everybody else but him and not get jealous or bitter or resentful. You say, why? Because he's got so much faith by this time. He knows help's on the way. He knows his turn is a-coming. And I've just come to tell somebody on the side of this hill tonight, hang on, baby. Help's on the way. God's not failed you. He's not forgot you. Help is on the way. And he'll be there just in time, on time, every time, like he does all the time. 
while they're just hanging out in the street, there come that woman. Time out. Ain't it just like a woman to interrupt our plans? But anyway, here come that woman. That is your blood. She pressed through that crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. I don't think she was a Baptist because the Bible said she felt it. She had to be Pentecostal. She felt it. She'd have been a Baptist. She'd have went, that felt good. But she felt it. Oh, but Jesus felt it too. Jeff the King James said in Jesus knowing that virtue, that word means dynamite, power, authority, quantum energy, mm, dynamo, mm, yes. Power came out of him. Authority came out of him. And Jesus looked around at that crowd and said, Hey, who touched me? And I just gave this little Bible lesson. When an all-knowing God asks you a question, he ain't hunting information. You say, well, if he knows everything, then why does he ask questions? He's given you an opportunity to get real and honest. Who touched me? She said, it was me. Can I tell you why? Now, Jairus is just standing here watching Jesus and this lady have this conversation. He said, go ahead and speak. She said, let me tell you the reason why I touched you. I have been sick. I have had an infirmity for 12 years. Honey, when that woman said 12, I believe Jarius went 12. That's how old my little girl is. She's been sick for 12, and my little girl's been alive for 12. Evidently, if he can heal somebody that's been sick, Twelve. He can heal somebody that's been alive for twelve. Evidently, twelve ain't no big deal to him. I've come to tell somebody tonight: twelve's no big deal. Twelve hundred's no big deal. Twelve thousand's no big deal. Twelve million's no big deal. And I can't count higher than that. I'm glad there is no money, no value, no numbers bigger than God. If He can heal the woman that's been alive for twelve, He can heal the little girl that's been sick for twelve. Close it tonight. Watch what happens. Then Jesus says something to this woman. If I counted it right, he only says three times, two other times, counting this one, in all the Bible. Jesus looked at that woman, and Jairus is just kind of hanging out watching. Jesus looked at that woman and said, Daughter, he called. Jesus called her daughter. Jairus heard Jesus call that woman daughter. And I believe when Jairus heard Jesus call that woman daughter, just a few verses ago, he's at the feet of Jesus begging a miracle for his daughter. And I believe Jairus said, oh my, he's got a daughter too. Oh my, he's got one too. Oh my, he knows how I feel. He knows what I'm at. He knows what I'm going through. He feels my pain. Lord God, help me preach tonight. And he knows my hurt. And he knows the depth of my sorrow. And if he heals his little girl, he can heal mine. And if he loves his little girl, he loves mine. If he can help his daughter, he can help mine. He must be in the daughter business. I've come to tell you, he's in the daughter business, the son business, the mama business, the daddy business, the papa business, the big mama, the big daddy business, the aunt business, the uncle business. He's in the healing, miracle, working, saving, delivering business. He's in the people business. Wow. The mandate that drove him, the mission that directed him, and the miracle that delighted him. How many believe you get more than you ask for? 
Jesus goes into that room and first thing he has to do, he has to run out all the Baptists in there. All the independent fundamental Baptists, he has to run them out because they doubting, whining, complaining. He said, get out of here. I need some people of faith. Hello. Somebody said, if they run out all the people in your church that doubted, how many would be there? I don't know. I'd have to leave with them. Can I get an amen right there? But Jesus walks in that room. Runs out them doubters and whiners and complainers. And anybody in there have a people of faith. And he looks at that little girl. And he speaks to that little girl. And he takes her by the hand and he lifts her up. And the Bible said when she did, she walked around. As living proof, a miracle took place. Now here's where I believe they were Baptists. Because the next thing they done after this miracle, they gave her something to eat. They sat at the table and celebrated what the Lord had done. I don't know what you need tonight. And I know it's bigger than me and you, but it's not bigger than him. And I just believe tonight that some child of God under this tabernacle has enough faith in the hands of Jesus. You can reach up and touch the heart of God. And he's able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that we ask or think. While they're coming with a song tonight, while the pastor's coming, let me ask you this question tonight. Is there somebody Is there somebody in your life? Is there somebody in your world? Is there somebody in your family that you love enough to go get Jesus for? How many believe tonight America is worth saving? How many believe the next generation needs to see revival? How many believes that God is able to step out of heaven tonight and do the miraculous? Let's go get him. Let's go ask him. Let's touch him tonight. And I know we got a pandemic and we're trying to social this, but this is a wide place right here. And I wonder why they sing tonight while we stand. I wonder how many would just like maybe to line up across this front and say, Lord, I want to lay hold of you tonight. I want to see you save America. I want to see you save my family. I got a family member that needs you. I got a mom or dad or son or daughter. I got a neighbor. I got a, Lord, I, I need to get you for somebody. Who do you love enough to go get God for? While we stand together, these are coming. They'll shake for us tonight.